So ne- next Sunday night, I just want to get over, if you're a young adult in this place, next Sunday night I want to gather probably after we meet and just chat about some stuff for the year and, and work that through. So that's the only thing I want to announce tonight. Other than that, I was showing some videos this morning and so I thought I may as well show something tonight as well, which I found pretty impressive. I tried that with a Jenga set this big in that room. It doesn't work. I don't know. Ah, oh, dude. Dude. I love Jenga. Rickety tables, windy decks is the best place to play it. And uh, where you've got the whole thing and you're jumping your feet on the deck and getting everything shaking. It's a whole bunch of fun. It's got nothing to do with what I want to talk about tonight. And um, so, yeah, which is, which is just normal anyway. I want to, let's, um, I'm going to chat about Abraham and some stuff for our year, and so jumping in there, and if you've got Bibles, we'll just follow along. We're in Genesis 22. Sometime later, so obviously some time had passed before chapter 21. You know, in the Bible, sometimes I wish there was like a .5 chapter. I really wish there was a Genesis 5.5. I want to know what happened in Noah's life and what it was about Noah that enabled him to be different from every other living being in creation to actually live righteously. But there's no Genesis 5.5 and there's no Genesis 21.5 either. So we've just got some time later. Abraham, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey and took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for a place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. And Isaac spoke up and and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. That doesn't work for my boys. They say, Dad, and I say, Josh. He says, Dad, Josh, Dad. And we have this exchange right back and forward. And he pretends he doesn't think I hear him when I say his name. But anyway, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. They could make an interesting TV show about this. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. There's a pattern going on. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns and he went over, took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the place 
The Lord will provide, or Yahweh, Yara, Jehovah, Jireh, however you want to pronounce that. And to this day, he, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies. And though your offspring, through your offspring, the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. See, probably one of the most common oppositions to God is the question, if God was really a God of love, then? If God was really a God of love, well, we wouldn't have third world nations. We wouldn't have poverty. We wouldn't have war we wouldn't have all this conflict we wouldn't have all this sickness we wouldn't have cancer if god was really a god of love and this is one of the stories that that often prompts that thought as well if god was really a god of love then genesis 22 wouldn't exist and it wouldn't be in the bible it's it's one of those uncomfortable stories in scripture it's one of those places that gives us attention there and something deep within it and it's often these stories that give the greatest revelations about who he actually is and the truth of who God's character really is see every every so often around this place Jimmy comes and and plays with fire things and all these things and then we have these fire guys come and they test the alarms and you know, oh, it's only a testing, whoop, whoop, and, and all these things. And every so often in your workplace or your school or uni, they'll test the alarms and you might hear this thing come over the loudspeakers that goes, this is only a test. This is just a test. This is here for a test. In actual fact, what we see here in Scripture, this is what God said right from the beginning, right at the beginning, if we actually read it, it says, this is just a test. God wanted to test Abraham. He wanted to test him and see how he'd go and see. I don't think God ever intended for Abraham to sacrifice his son. It was never God's intention for Abraham to kill Isaac. Now, I understand that right where this story happens, the culture and the pagan cultures around, it was actually feasible for people to grab their children and to sacrifice them to gods. That was a practice and a normal practice around and about the area. To us, that's a bit weird. We don't normally do that. Well, in Australia, you can't do that. I guess you could, but it's illegal. And if they caught you, you'd be spending lots and lots of time at a place or on your own. Some of that really is just, it's such an unfathomable concept, taking your child and and killing them. And See, I don't believe God would have allowed Abraham to finish the act, no matter what his heartbeat and his tension. See, there's times where God will test us. There's times in our life where God will put us to the test. Now, I'm not going to say every difficult time that you have in your life is a test from God. Not every difficult time you have is is God's test. Sometimes we're just stupid and we do dumb things. I know there's been some times in my life where hard things have happened and it's been God testing me. When I got hit by a car as a 14-year-old kid skating across the road, that wasn't God testing me. That was me just being stupid. When Remy hit his head on the windowsill this afternoon, that wasn't God testing him or me. That was him just being stupid. 
and decided to sit up on the edge of a couch and dive off the side. This story, it's not a story about God's character. It's a test and a story about Abraham's character. God's character is not up for debate here. We're not checking out who he is. We're not putting God on the test, but this is all about checking out who Abraham is. Now, Abraham, according to Jewish tradition, at this point, this was actually the final test, if you listen to some rabbis, this was the final test of 10 that he'd been through. God had been putting his character through a thing. The first one, apparently, and and I I don't know the text on this, but apparently Nimrod had thrown him into a a fiery furnace because because he refused to betray God. Sounds a little bit like some other fellas in the book of Daniel. Um, God told him to leave his homeland and become a stranger in Canaan. He went after that and he is arrived on the promised land. And he goes to a famine. The Egyptians captured his wife and, and brought her to Pharaoh. He faces incredible odds in a battle of four and five kings. That's in the Bible. He's told by God that his children will be strangers in a, in a strange lad, a land. God tells him to circumcise himself in an advanced age. Now that's a test. The great king of Gera captures Sarah and intends to take her as his wife. God tells him to send Hagar and his son Ishmael away. And then we get to this one where God tells him to go and sacrifice his son. The ultimate test to determine whether Abraham was really committed and was really ready to lay everything down for God. And I just want to say this year, as you, as you begin your years and step in, I know school goes back tomorrow, maybe you're back in your workplace after some holidays, uni starts in about a month's time, and we get back into the swing of things and into everything. It's one of those times at the beginning of year which is really good to check ourselves and go, have I, have I laid it all down for God? Is God really in control? Has God got it all? There are moments when God will test whether we're truly submitted to his lordship especially if we're going through a period of change or stepping into something new or going into something new for god or he's got something he's calling to and it's so good just to begin the year with this question so i think god wanted to check if the gift that he'd given to abraham he still recognized was a gift was this actually a gift See, 25 years before this story, when Abraham's 100 years old, God gives him a present that he's been longing for for his entire adult life, desiring and chasing after and and wanting a son and a child of his own and something he'd been longing for most likely for about 80 years in his own life. And he gets this gift, this precious gift. And God's probably just checking him out here to see if it's still a gift. Because so often what can happen is we can receive something. God can provide something in our life. God might provide an opening or an opportunity. He might provide finance into your life. He might provide a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, a fiance, partner, children, something in your world that is really exciting, something you've longed after. And, and, but all of a sudden, what can sometimes happen is after we've had that, that special gift for a while, it changes and it shifts. And, and it moves from being something that we go, yes, this is God's in my life, to going, no, this is now fulfilling the need in my life. This is now the thing that I'm going to put my attention and my focus on and make sure I, I treasure and I keep and it doesn't get out of my grasp in any, any means or any fashion. And all of a sudden, we shift from having a gift to an idol. And God wanted to, to, to check that out. It's really asking a question. When I was 17, I was like, 
like most young people, praying earnestly to God every day on my knees, bent down, desiring, fasting, believing that God would provide for me just like he did that very first thing he ever met in the life of a human being. The very first thing God ever did was give Adam Eve and provide for that, that need in life. And so when I was seven, I was just longing for that and praying for that. And then I met this girl when I was 18, and I went, oh, this must be it. And it was like just angels started singing, and there was halo around, and oh, heaven opened up. And so I remember talking to God about it. I went, God, this is fantastic. And then all of a sudden, I just felt sick when I prayed about it. I went, oh, this is, this is odd. God doesn't normally make me feel like that when he's saying yes to me. Okay, so I went and prayed again. And I asked God again, and I'm like, and again, I feel sick, and probably the fourth time I prayed, I felt God say, yeah, go for it. This is, this is my plan. Um, turns out it wasn't his plan. We got engaged, and then 18 months later, it broken up. And um, praise God for breaking your heart uh, at different points in your life when it's, when it's not his will and his plan. But see, sometimes we get into a point and asking for a gift and longing for a gift, and instead of, hey, going, Lord, I want to follow you, and our prayers, Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, I want to be where you are. I want to do what you're doing. I want to follow you, Lord. We get to the point of praying, Lord, I want you to follow me. Come follow me, Father. Come follow me, Jesus. Come be where I am. Come do what I'm doing. And, and it's such a subtle shift when we begin to pray those things. And I don't know what you've begun to thought about your year. I don't know what you've begun to put in place and put in plan and set up for 2018 inside your world. I don't know what plans you've got there already and I don't know what you're praying about it. But I encourage you, this prayer is the one to do. Not, hey Lord, this is what I'm doing, come bless me in it. Lord, what have you got and how can I follow you in that? Where can I be with you in that? One of my habits each year is to put everything back down in front of him to lay everything back down, my, my life, my ministry, my, my work, which is the same sort of thing, really, um, lay it all down before him and go, Lord, is this still what you've got for me? Where can I follow you? Where do I go with you at that point? See, this is often one of the things. Are we following Jesus or are we asking Jesus to follow us? And one of the things that often stops us from actually throwing everything on the altar is this. We're, we're scared. We're scared. We're scared that when we lay something down, God's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do or he's going to take something from us we really want or if we lay it on the altar, well, he's actually going to take it away from us and like, Lord, I've just got this thing. Man, how, I, I don't want to give it up now. What, what's going on? I don't want to hand this over. I remember as, as the young man praying... Um, for God to fulfill that, that need of a, a companion in my life, thinking, well, if God takes this away, then what has he got next down the road? The beast. And um, some hairy woman with a crippled back, um, something in there going with horns coming out the head and, and doesn't have any sort of, this is, this is what God, I've seen some of the people when I grew up in church, I, I, I've seen some of the people that God hung out with. And um, I was really worried that this is what God would provide. Praise God, that's not what he's like. And um, I got the best. And it was absolutely fantastic and absolutely wonderful within there. You know what? Um, to go where God wants you and go where God's got for you, it's, it's going to take some risk and it's going to take sacrifice. 
It's going to take laying something down. It's going to take giving some stuff up. Um, but I don't believe God is about making your life miserable. I don't believe God wants that at all. In actual fact, some of the things that says sometimes like when you're, when you're trying to make a decision in life is do the thing that'll... They're the thing that will make you most glad and will meet the needs of the world. What's the thing that will make you most glad and meet the needs of the world? Now, sometimes that's not God. That's not a, a scriptural thing, but often that's, that's sort of the case. I've got, I've got a mate in ministry, and um, he ended up moving to regional Queensland and um, moving there with his wife and serving and, and running a church for a long, long time there. And, and enjoyed it, but his heartbeat was always to live on the Gold Coast and go surfing. And that's, he just longed for that and, and just desired that. And, and they brought their kids up in this regional town and, and ran a church there. And then a couple of years ago, his wife sort of goes to him, hey, maybe we should move to the Gold Coast. And then all of a sudden they get this opportunity to, to run a church at the Gold Coast. And he's, he's moved down there and he's been running the church down there for a couple of years now. And it's just like it's all coming together. God places the desires in our heart. He, he sets the things there and he wants the best for us. Um, he's placed that desire, but he, he wants to test whether that's the thing we're following or if we're willing to say that that's the thing from him. So we've been talking about Abraham. And he says, go sacrifice your son. God says to him, go sacrifice your son on Mount Moriah. He gets up early and... And so now tradition tells us that Sarah and Abraham were on the same page. That Sarah and Abraham had agreed that this is what God said, and we're going to follow him no matter what. We're going to do all this. Now, I'm just trying to imagine if, if, if God told me to put one of the boys down there on the altar, maybe some days that would be an easier decision than others. Um, and sometimes in the day that would be an easier decision. But no, no, it just, just messes with you. That just messes with you. And even if Sue's agreed with that, um, which I, she's just shaking her head going, there's no way I'm, I'm on that page. But even if she did, even if she changed her mind, well, whoops. So then it says that Abraham got up early in the morning before Sarah was awake, so she didn't have time to change her mind, and took Isaac, and off they went, and looked for the mountain. Three days' ride they went. Three days ride. Now, most scholars at this point, you've got to get the picture of what's going on here. Most scholars, we don't really have a time frame in here. We know Isaac was born when Abraham was 100. Most scholars at this point will tell us that Isaac was about 25. Some will put his age up, even where I am right now, they put his age all the way up to about 37. Now, I've, I've seen, seen some people when they get older, and, and there's things happen when you're like 125. Your body doesn't work the same as a 25-year-old. It starts to get a little bit weaker, a bit crippled, and a bit frail. Now, imagine this. Here we go. I have, I have old man, dad, great-great-granddaddy sort of age going, hey, Scott, come on, let's go right now. Oh, come on, Sean, let's go up a mountain, buddy. We're going to go for a walk all the way over to Mount Moriah. It's about three days away. We're going to go sacrifice. You've got to think at some point along here, this wasn't just Abraham's idea or Sarah's idea. Isaac, by this point, he's going to be a little bit stronger than old man daddy Abraham. doesn't matter how many sons he's had and how many arms he's shaken around and legs and heads he's nodded during all that time. 
he's going to have a little bit more muscle definition, a bit more defined, able to get through this whole thing. And so after three days journeying, they get there. And there's chances to turn back. And, and I believe it's, it's believed that this is what Isaac said to his father at that point when they got up the mountain. Father, bind my hands and my feet for the urge to live is so willful that when I see the knife coming at me, I may flinch involuntarily. I beg you, bind me. This wasn't just Abraham laying it down. This, was a, this is a story of Isaac's character uh, of giving it all up and pr- being ready for his whole, whole life to be there within there. And you can just imagine getting to the top of that hill. They've carried the torch and the wood and they've set up this altar and built it all. And it's like watching, you know, do you guys ever watch TV and there's like, you know stuff's coming on a show and so you start sort of like, I, I look away. There's certain things I don't watch, especially especially if there's needles involved. I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch that thing. Or you watch through your fingers, or maybe you're lying in bed watching something on your phone or something. So you pull the doona up over your head and, and sort of check through. This is one of those moments. Here they've got, they've built up the altar. Isaac's been bound, sitting on top. He's just sort of looking through, going, man, what's going to happen next? And I love that. I can't imagine just Abraham's even got that knife just going down. He's got it moving straight towards him. It's like, it's a good thing he wasn't younger and could move that thing faster. And he was 125. Going at, going at full pace there. And, and it's just, I love when God just pulls up and goes, Stop. Stop. It's when God steps in. And, and it's one of those things, you're yelling at the TV. No, don't do it. Stop, how can I do? If you even watch shows again, you might watch a movie again, again hoping that it changes. You've never done that. You, just watch, you watch a movie and think, yeah, I do. don't make that decision. They're around the corner. They're going to, you don't go that man, they're going to shoot you if you do that. And, and, ah, no, don't, no, don't marry them. They're rubbish for you. They're no good. Like, don't do it. And, and you're just in this story. There's stories in the Bible I read, and every time I read them, I'm like, no, don't make that decision. No, don't do it. And um, it's one of those moments, I love God steps in and don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld your son, your only son. There's a ram in the bush and he sacrificed that and called it Yahweh Yairah, the Lord who provides. See, some rabbis actually talk about that this ram was created on the sixth day in the Garden of Eden and had been on earth all that time and was placed there by God. And I think that's, that's a story. I don't know anything about that um, being there. But one thing which is fascinating to think that is in Ephesians 1, it says, as long before God laid the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family. He thought of everything and provided everything we could ever possibly need. Provided everything we could possibly need. See, Abraham trusted God. He has faith 100% in there. It, 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 given it all at that point, everything that was needed was there. The whole thing we ask with that is, do we trust God? 
Do we trust him? Do we believe he's got our back? Do we believe he's going to come through? And those times that he asks us, hey, I just, I just want you to give that or I want you to lay that down. I want you to stop doing that. Do we believe he's got our best intentions at heart when we feel those things? Do we believe that, oh man, I, I don't want you hanging out with that person. I don't want you dating that person. I, I, I want you going and studying here. I want you going and hanging out with these people. Do we think that God is actually trying to limit our lives? Is God trying to pull us down and put us in a box and just go, dude, I want it just to be boring. I'm going to make you sit in the corner and watch paint dry. I want your life to be about this exciting as this. This is one of my favorite videos of all time right now. Wait for it. The exciting bit will happen soon. Wait. It's coming. It's coming. That did you see it? Did you, did you get? It? Yeah. And yet for some reason, I don't know about you, sometimes in our heads we get that, where we think that's as exciting as God wants our lives. There's another clip on YouTube you can find. It's about 10 hours long. It's watching paint dry. It's amazing. Actually, the, the worst bit about the clip is that after 10 hours, you've got to hit reload to watch it all again. Um, <laughs> got no intention of ruining our lives. He's got no desire for that. He wants to know that we are entirely committed to him and entirely handed over to him. And I wonder as we begin this year, have you laid it all down and given it all back over to him and put it all down before him and, and talked to him about it and gone, Lord, here it is. This is my life and this is where, I, where I've come from and this is where it looks like I'm going Take it, change it, whatever you need to do, whatever you want to do, it, it, it's yours. Do we fully trust him with that and allow him to come into that, that place? And my encouragement would be this, because what happens after that is, is, is God's most likely just going to give it back into your hands. He may not. There have been some times in my life I've laid something down and he goes, thank you very much. I'm like, okay, fair enough, just like the beginning of Job. The Lord provides and the Lord receives back again. Says in Job one, and and there and so sometimes we lay that down. But I love what happens at the end of this, when God knows He's like, I know you trust me fully. I know you fully trust me because you haven't even withheld the most precious gift I've ever laid in your life. Because of that, you will be blessed, and your descendants will be blessed. We're a bunch of His descendants right here. The Bible says we have a blessing because He did that and he laid it all on the line for God. I wonder who in your world right now and in the future will be exceedingly blessed and exceedingly provided for because you'll lay it all down. Because you're willing to give it all up and to let it all go. 
not just about you. Not just about you, but this is for the future. This is for others around us. Like, man, well, that's, that's a big ask. How, how dare God ask me to give everything up? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, whoever believes, would have everlasting life. He gave him up for what? He laid it down. Except he didn't hold back the knife. He let the nails be driven in. Let's just take a moment to pray and just to process that. And I just encourage you tonight, we're going to worship in a moment. And if there's some stuff you just want to lay down, maybe you haven't actually spoken to Jesus about your year yet, take a moment tonight to do that. Take a moment tonight to lay it down and, and to speak to him. And if you want someone to pray with you, just come forward, we'll pray with you and, 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 and do that beside you and believe with you for what God's got and believe with you as we move into that. But Father, we just come right now and we thank you that you have deep desires for us and you have just a wonderfully designed and orchestrated plan and purpose. Lord, and in some of that, Lord, there's a whole abundance of choice. And in some of that, you're like, no, this is exactly where I want to put you and exactly where I want you to go. Lord, you know that. And you've got the next step and you've got the next part of our path and you've got the next part of our journey. Lord, we want to trust you in that and trust that you have the best in that. And so, Father, tonight, we ask that you just come into our hearts and just reveal to us the things that have been gifts but we've made idols the things that we need to lay down and let go of the places and times in our life when we've stopped saying Lord I want to follow you and begun to ask Lord come follow me Lord we just want to chase you we just want to be with you Jesus. I was just stand and worship or sit and pray or kneel and pray